Welcome to the Ozark United Methodist Church Companion Podcast for Thursday, August the 13th. My name is Joey Mills, and joining me this week, we've got Mike Randall, Brad Tummins, and Jacob Schneider. And this week, we are continuing to take a look at the Old Testament book of Nehemiah and how we kind of rebuild as a church after the events of the past few months where we've been shut down and starting to kind of ramp up and returning not only to live services, but returning to being out in the community and being the church in our community. So we're going to jump into that. Before we begin, let's start with a moment of prayer. Holy God, we praise you for this day. We praise you for your work in our lives and in our midst as a, as a people. Uh, we pray that you would bless our time here this evening, that we would encounter you, that we would be uh, made new through uh, this holy conversation. But meet us here, guide us, lead us, um, and we offer this time to you in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. So let's jump into the message from last Sunday. Uh, the sermon last Sunday dealt with... The scripture that was read in service was Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 through 20. Uh, we talked a little bit more even about some, you know, mo- more of chapter 2 and into chapter 3 as well. Um, but was there anything in particular uh, as we were talking about the rebuilding and the opposition that the Hebrew people faced as they were trying to rebuild Jerusalem, the walls, and then the temple? Um, is there anything that caught your attention? Anything that maybe you heard? Not necessarily for the first time, but maybe you heard it a little differently and it resonated with you this week. Uh, we'll just kind of open up the discussion to what everybody's got. We can cut that silence. <laughs> no, no, not everybody at once. <laughs> uh, We're just being polite, trying not to step on each other. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, um, so for me, again, is more of kind of, how do you see Christ in and through this story of Nehemiah? How is it kind of a prefiguring? And and I know that, you know, there are different, different ways of reading the Old Testament. Some say it's, you should never read the Old Testament that way, and I get it. Um, but I think you can read it both ways and get a lot out of it both ways. Um, but, you know, seeing Nehemiah as kind of a prefigurement of, of the work done in and through Christ, this is rebuilding and um, but drawing the parallels between, um, you know, what, what, what they were rebuilding the walls around the city, um, and them as a people and the parallels between that and, and the church. So for me, it was just good to think, think about it in that way and then draw those kind of parallels. And I, I don't know, it was pretty powerful when you can, when you can do that with, you know, story like Nehemiah had no clue what what really was going to happen, you know, thousand years later, a couple thousand years later. So, um, yeah, or a few hundred years later. But, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's something that we we gloss over a lot. I'll be honest, I gloss over it when I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, oh, look, here come the begats, and I just kind of skim on through it. And I think sometimes we do that with the other with other stories that aren't just the you know the lineages that sometimes we forget that the reason we are here is because of the stories and the choices that were made thousands of years ago none of us know what choice we're going to make tomorrow 
that's going to have a resonant impact, you know, maybe not thousands of years, maybe it will be thousands of years down the line, you know, with, you know, it's, it kind of talks a little bit about, you know, legacy and, you know, as Nehemiah is rebuilding the legacy and counting on the promises uh, that God had made with his people that, you know, the legacy, Nehemiah's legacy of rebuilding those walls, how it bore fruit in Jesus and how it will bear fruit again when Christ comes again. So it's, it, that was an interesting take that made me stop and realize I probably need to slow down <laughs> a little bit instead of just, yeah, yeah, I know this, I know this, I know this, or boy, that's boring and doesn't really matter to stop and, you know, no, this is all, it's here for a reason. There is a purpose. There are dots to be connected and you're, you're not getting the whole picture if you're skipping dots, you know, if you're doing one of those connect to the dots yeah. pictures. So, yeah. yeah, I think, um, just, I, I, I think we kind of talked about this last week and how it was kind of, it, it was such a letdown really. Uh, you know, they got done building the temple and in Ezra in the book of Ezra and, you know, people were just like, uh, is that it? And then, you know, they, they rebuild the walls, but still the people is just a, it's just a remnant. It's a shadow of what it once was. The city was a shadow of what it once was. And so you'd have to think that they were asking like, what in the world is the point of this? Like what, you know, somebody at some point had to have been like, why are we doing this? Um, and it, it was just a reminder, I, I think, of, you know, where we get sometimes is like, what in the world is the point that, you know, there's rioting in the streets. There's, you know, the world is crumbling around us. What is the point? And, you know, to have that vision of being even just an outpost, they didn't know what, they, they, they knew generally what the end picture was. It was restoration. They didn't know about Jesus. They didn't know about his promises of restoration. Um, and we don't know when that restoration is going to come in its fullness. It could be tomorrow. As you said, it could be tomorrow. It could be a thousand years from now. But um, to see ourselves, can, can we own that role of being an outpost? Just an outpost, you know, you know just holding on to it until the next generation comes and takes it that next step. Um, are we okay with that? Cause it seems to me that even in the church, we want to see results, right? We want to see it happen in our life. We want to see it happen in our lives. Personally, we want to see it, you know, happen in our lifetime um, without much concern for maybe what lies ahead. But what if, I mean, what if we never see any of this come to fruition in our lifetimes? Will we still move ahead as an outpost, faithfully witnessing, holding on to what the, what the promises were made? Will we keep continuing on, handing it on to the next generation? That's the question. Yeah, I imagine, like you said, there was disappointment when now the temple's back. And I'm sure whether it was unspoken or, you know, if it was, you know, whatever, I'm sure there were folks who were expecting some sort of divine opening of the heavens and God yeah. walking back into the temple in front of them and, you know, some sort of majestic payoff. <laughs> and yeah, it's, there wasn't. And yeah, I think we get that way a lot of times too. I think every generation since that first generation of the church has expected to see the big payoff and yeah. none of us have yet. So. And I think to go along with that, I mean, 
I think culturally we're individuals, culturally we're autonomous. That's bled into how we understand salvation and, you know, how many of us, you know, I've got my ticket to heaven. How, how many of, of us either grew up like that or heard that? Um, and it's about, it's about personal salvation. Well, here we encounter, I mean, this holistic salvation through a people, not, you know, not through, you know, not through, not, it doesn't just isn't for you as an individual person. It's for the world and the church exists for the world. And you are one small piece in the church, uh, but to see ourselves in the bigger picture of that, um, that's the hard part, I think, but that's the crucial part. I mean, our culture speaks against that in so many ways. But well, and it's the biblically consistent piece as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, God uses individuals to bring restoration to a people. He uses a person to bring restoration to a people, whether you're talking about the Hebrews or you're talking about the church or whatever the case might be. It's, yes, there will be someone to, you know— Moses leading, you know, the Jews back to, you know, the promised land, but Moses doesn't get there. (laughs) There's, you know, so yes, there's that, you know, yeah, we, we all want to be the hero. We all want the payoff. We all want to experience it. We want to do it because individually there's something special about us. God chose us, but (laughs) typically the ones that God chooses, they don't have the best of endings. Typically it's better to that it's better to be a part of that community that experiences the restoration sometimes than being the one that God puts the burden on to, to bring about the restoration. It's tough. Yeah. Any other thoughts, comments, questions, anything that spoke to anyone? Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, there were a couple of things that really caught my attention um, back from both the sermon as well as kind of going back to and reading. Um, one being, I was a little bit confused why Nehemiah inspected the gates by himself, like as a secret. That just seemed weird to me, you know. Um, it, just, it just did. And I'll just be honest. It seemed weird. It's like, hey, it's my secret. I'm going to go out and check. I don't know if that was because he didn't want to commit to something too big before we knew what he was getting his feet into. Like I think a lot of us sometimes get. Um, so that was one of the things. And then the other thing, and I know Jacob hit on it in the sermon too, was that out, if you think about building a wall, a big stone wall around a city, uh, just blows my mind how there were no stone stones and things like that involved with it. Just because of, well, as I wouldn't wire a house if I wasn't an electrician, because it generally doesn't end well. But, you know, to me, it kind of spoke to how God uses people that maybe aren't experts. And, you know, it's kind of not necessarily the, the least of these, but there is the people that have the heart and the willingness to go out and do it, you know. And, you know, I kind of equate that to kind of what we're talking about now when in terms of rebuilding. It may not be, we may not have a church full of pastors and elders and things like that that are out there, you know, preaching, preaching the word. Um, but it's the other people that God is going to leverage as, uh, you know, to do that restoration, to do that rebuilding. And it's kind of, I kind of took it more as like a personal challenge to people when 
get as they have listened. It's not, it's not, you know, the church elders. It's not going to be the ministry staff. It's not going to be the pastoral staff. They're going to start that, but it's not just them that are responsible for doing it. It's everybody. And so that to me was, maybe it was, it resonated. Maybe it was a wake up call. I don't know what it was for everybody else, but that was just something that really stuck with me. Mm. So, I, yeah. I agree with you, Brett. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Like, that's just the part that spoke to me so much. And it was just, you know, he, he looked at this and he's like, we can do this. God, God can work with us. You know what I mean? Like, the, that God-sized dream. You know what I mean? And, you know, the part in the passage in Nehemiah 2 that I really, really like just spoke out to me was the latter part of verse 18. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. You know what I mean? You have this, all this talk about, we can do this. We need to do this. This is good work. This is going to, we can build this. And they're like, yeah, we can, we can strengthen our hands to do it. We can go for it. Um, and I think it's interesting how God uses people. You know what I mean? Just he picks someone and someone steps up to the plate and they, they speak that, that dream. And I think we're at a really crucial impasse here in not only just OUMC, but in the church worldwide that God's calling us to dream big to say you know everything's burning around us everything is in destruction and we have hope because we have hope in Jesus Christ and we can give it so dream big and then let's put our hands to the good work you know like we may not have all the answers of exactly how to do it step-by-step, step, but God will provide that in time. But we just need to, we need to dream big and we can never outdream God. We can never outgive God. We can never um, be faster than God. You know what I mean? We can never be, you know, God is so massive in this. And um, I know just in my you know, in my own life, you know, God's challenging me to, to dream bigger and to, you know, what is it that is beyond me that scares me and stretches me, but excites me all in the same breath. And I don't know, it was just, I get excited. I get excited when I, when I hear sermons like this, I get excited when get taken back to passages like this because it just reminds me of how great God is and how much God is on our side when we put our minds and we put our spirits and we put our hands to the work that he, that, that he knows that we can do for him to spread his gospel and to spread hope to those that don't have any hope. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that, you know, like, I, that's what I've been most impressed by, by just going through Nehemiah again. And, 
you know, so, so often we can put it down to like, oh, we just didn't have enough faith to make something happen. And, and I'm, I'm just like, no, I just, I just don't think we're dreaming the way God wants us to dream. It's not about enough faith. I think it's like God is like cheering us on saying, just go for it. <laughs> like, do it. Go for it. I'm there. I'm like, you can make this happen. So, yeah, I don't know. We we're content with scraps and we got this feast set before us. So, um, have you guys ever read the book Good to Great by Jim Collins? No. No. Have you, Brad? I have. Yeah. So you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Uh, <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's the whole premise is, is the enemy of being great is just simply merely being good. And you can see this even in this passage, you know, it's like, you know, the enemy of us being great here, the enemy of us accomplishing anything, it's just, oh, it's ruined. You know, like, and I think our greatest enemy in the church right now is just saying, yeah, but COVID is here, you know, and what can we do, you know? Or, you know, there's protests and there's rioting and there's looting and there's this and there's that. And we have murder hornets, and now apparently there's a tick that carries some disease, you know, that could come over here. And we got seeds coming from overseas, and all this crazy calamity. And oh, you know, we'll just we'll just pray, and we'll just hope that Jesus does something. And I think that's just no. We need to arise. You know what I mean? I think God's calling us to step into a greatness that he wants us to step into um, in this time and this time, you know, and not just be content with being good. Yeah. The, it's the apathy that uh, strikes so many people, right? It's not just the, it's not just the dream, but sometimes you have to act, you have to take the bull by the horns and act on it too. Mm-hmm. And part of, part of what comes with the dream is the, is the determination to, to follow it too, you know, think of all of those, I mean, think, think what would have happened if Nehemiah just, you know, prayed about it, but he didn't actually go out and do it and sneak around right. where the walls were, when, when every, everybody was asleep to see how the walls were going and yeah. what damage they were in. It wouldn't have happened probably, yeah. or God would have called on some gumption out of the word to go out and actually do something about it. So it's a big call for a lot of folks all of us included. So, well, I think something that was said early in the sermon, and I think I was referring back to the previous week's sermon was, you know, it's, we always pray with the Lord's prayer, thy will be done, but man, do we really mean it? Do we really want to know what God's will is for us? Do we really want to do that? Uh, I think a lot of times we, we pray and we pray for, and then we, you know, and we say, well, it's in God's hands now. But at the same time, if, you know, to probably butcher this analogy, you know, if you're praying for rain because there's a drought, you start wearing your galoshes, take your umbrella with you, because, you know, if you do you mean it? Do you really think God's going to provide the rain if you pray for it? Or, you know, is it or is it just kind of wishful thinking that we do sometimes and we call it prayer? 
Um, do we put, you know, again, you know, boots on the ground? Do we put the work in? Do we strengthen our hands or do we just, well, I prayed for it. It's in God's hands. You know, well, this, you know, we've, we've got to rescue the, our, our culture, our nation, whatever. We got to make this a Christian nation, whatever, you know, that is. But okay, so, so what now? How are you showing Christian love and mercy and grace in your life? Or do you just pray and, well, it's out of my hands. God's going to have to do it. It's bigger than me. Or do you actually partner with God in that restoration and, and do the work that you're called to do? Or, you know, again, it feels like sometimes we, we use prayer as a, as a crutch and a boy, I would hope so. And man, it'd be nice if, and well, that's bigger than me. So I just turn it over to God and then I don't have, then it absolves me of personal responsibility of having to get involved in the story. I prayed about it. You know, I think that sometimes we have a tendency to do that as well. Well, I mean, like, you know, we see this all the way through the gospels. You see the woman with the issue of blood. She, she ran and she grabbed his hand. You know what I mean? She didn't ask, well, if I do this and I do this, will this happen? You know, she just, she just did it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Peter, he didn't step out of the boat um, after he asked about the physics of water and, you know, and the, you know, on all that, he knew the physics of water. He's going to sink, you know, um, like, and it was a storm. He's going to sink. He's going to die, but he saw Jesus, you know, and I'm going to go towards it. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that I am all about planning. I'm all about being smart and, you know, and having a plan. Um, and I think sometimes, God just wants to call us out of that and say, hey, you know what? Trust me. Yeah, you may sink one time or a couple times, start sinking, but just look back at me and I'll pull you up and we'll keep going, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, dreams are hard and dreaming those big dreams for God, you know what I mean? And a big dream, I don't think, means necessarily that everything is, has to be grandiose and you, you know, you know, but like, the dream big. I mean, go back to the, you know, will you be my neighbor sermon series? You know, how are we neighbors to our, uh, how are we showing Jesus to our neighbors on our street? You know, that's our first mission field. You know, it's like, how do I dream big for my neighbors and their lives? You know, um, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm getting on a tangent. I'm no, so, I, I, I love think you're this right stuff. on. <laughs> I, I love this. And I'm like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's scary. You know, like <laughs> the lady that was behind me. You know what I mean? Like, when we first moved here, like, wow. That's all I got to say is wow. Um, but it was one of those things that I was like, okay, how do I show Jesus to this woman that, you know, um, is as cantankerous as they can come, you know? And so, and so I was like, well, let's make her pies. Let's make her something. You know what I mean? And so, like we just do it and now like i mean there's such a they come out into the backyard and come back to the fence and they they ask for prayer you know what i mean and and i'm not saying like oh look at me i'm just saying you know it's like it's a pie is you know my dream was is to minister to my neighbor you know and 
I was like, how do I do that? You know, but like, you need to dream big. You know what I mean? Um, and reach people for Jesus. Just show them the love of God and the hope. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's what this podcast is for. This is our place to do that. This just, this is all just, yeah. It's amazing. One sentence said that to me in that whole passage. <laughs> I'm glad that's all you read was that one sentence. I hate to know it. Oh boy! Any other thoughts? I think Mike pretty much handled all of them. So, <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's I'm so all right. Sorry. This was your week. This is your week to lead the conversation. <laughs> well, let us know your thoughts, your questions, your concerns. What spoke to you this week in the sermon? Uh, your needs, the way that God is moving in you and with you this week, let us know on social media at Ozark UMC on Facebook or Twitter, or you can email us at podcast at ozarkumc.org. We'd love to hear your thoughts on on anything that was discussed, whether it was the sermon or anything that any of us brought up this week. So let's talk about something else, shifting gears a little bit, but not completely shifting gears because it's very much in line with what we've been discussing. Uh, so we had a prayer walk last Sunday. Uh, kind of lead us through how that went, those who organized and participated. Um, talk to us a little bit about last Sunday. Yeah. So last Sunday we had a prayer walk. and it, I mean, if you don't know what a prayer walk is, um, I'm sure some may not. Um, it's just what it sounds like, as a matter of fact. Um, it's praying and walking, but it's praying and walking with an intent. Um, it's an intentional. Um, the, the, so what I encourage folks to do is to really practice being observant as they're walking, wherever you're walking. So we started off walking around the church, being attentive to what was going on which could mean, you know, you're looking at the grass or the trees uh, or the building itself, or you're looking out to the north and you just think about, you know, all that is going on to the north of the church. building. Um, but being attentive and letting that guide your prayers, letting whatever you it is you uh, encountered, whether it was something you saw or something you heard, let, letting that be a prompt for prayer and the whole idea of fitting in with our sermon series was to pray those big kind of prayers um pray uh for christ's kingdom to be realized in our church community in our broader ozark community in our schools in our homes and even in our own lives so uh that was the whole thrust of it Well, we had an opportunity to um, share, to capture and share a kind of a unique perspective on this. Uh, Lindsay Ash, who joins us sometimes on the podcast, was both a participant in the prayer walk this last Sunday and as a teacher in the Ozark School District is someone who, at least in part, the prayers were focused on a little bit as we're kind of gearing up for a a strange back-to-school season, um, to say the least. So she shared her perspective on the prayer walk with me earlier this week. So I've got Lindsay Ash here with us tonight. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the prayer walk that was held on Sunday, um, because you both participated in the prayer walk, 
And as a teacher, you were also kind of the focus of the concerted effort to pray for the schools. So I want to talk to you a little bit about your experience because I saw you had posted some stuff on social media, um, but I wanted to kind of get your take for those who are listening as well. Right. So first of all, I think it's awesome. I'm, I think this is our, we, our church has always done a really good job with having like the back to school Sunday and the blessing of the backpacks and all of that. And obviously this year, those kinds of things can't happen as much. Um, and so I think this was a really cool alternative. I think that it's nice to get our feet on the ground. I think that doing the things at church are good and I've always really enjoyed them, but there's something different about really being like, we're going to go walk around these buildings and bless the buildings. And so from that side, both as a participant and as a recipient, I guess, um, it was a really cool thing. So that part I really liked. Um, I like doing that kind of stuff. I remember one time I was in a companions class and we had to go to Walmart and just walk around Walmart and randomly pray for, not with, but just randomly pray for the people that we saw in Walmart. And so I've done prayer walks like that before. If you have ever not done one, Jacob had a great visual that he gave out that I think they emailed out, but I'm sure he could get you a copy. That's like walk around your neighborhood. And if you see kids toys in their yard, pray for that family. If you see Grammy grandpa's house, pray for the blessings that would be with being a grandparent. I think it's a really different way to pray and a different way to connect with our community and to think about what we need. So if you have never participated in a walk like that, I think it's an amazing experience. At some point when it's okay to go walk around Walmart again for a long period of time and just wander Walmart, wander Walmart and check out what people have and pray for them and kind of peek in their carts and have some thoughts that really gives you a different way to look at the community. So to do that, specifically for schools, especially in such an unknown time of back to school, I think is really, really meaningful. And I would encourage anybody who couldn't participate on Sunday to go do that. I know I'd seen posted on Facebook that you should do PNP, which is park and pray, which is just anytime you pull, go by a school, pull into their parking lot and pray for them and kind of a different way to look at it. So I'd say that as far as the walk in general, um, being a teacher and doing it, I've always felt divinely called into teaching and I have always prayed for my students and made that an effort. And I think if you talk to a lot of teachers, I know that I am not unique in that most, a lot of us see this as our mission field and our calling. Um, But I'm not going to lie, it has not been the easiest year to get pumped about it. Like, this is one of those years where I picture when people get called to go to Africa and they're like, really, God? Really? Really, Africa? Um, You want me to go into the jungle and do what? That's kind of how I'm feeling. Having a little bit of a Jonah moment, I guess. You know, he... He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Um, I'm kind of feeling that way about going back to school. Just... 
with all of the uncertainties and everything that's going to happen. And so to take the time to really walk and just focus on that was really good for me to feel like, okay, God's got this. I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but I know that God is in control of whatever that outcome is. And it was pretty, um, what's the word? I feel like I definitely had a load lightened after our prayer walk on Sunday. Very good. So is there anything else just to kind of, I mean, separate from the prayer walk, that's something that we can all do is be praying for our schools as, as we are a week away from going back on into campuses. Um, is there anything in particular else that you think that as a church or just if someone else is listening and they're, you know, for whatever the case might be, is there anything else you can think of that we can be doing to help support um, the teachers in the schools as you're about to enter this uncertain time? I think to just reach out and tell people, Hey, we've got, we've got you. Um, I know last year there, you know, at the end of the year, there was the big push for like the 2020 seniors and let's all do our best as a community to really wrap our arms around these kids because they are struggling. I think as a community, we need to take on some of those same things for teachers. Very good. Drop flowers on our porch so we can put them on our desk, buy an extra pack of pencil, you know, just, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be costly by any means, but just reach out because we're going into where the seniors last year and the healthcare workers. I mean, I think that through all of the stages of this weird life that is living in COVID, I think there's different people that is communities or as churches, we have to pick up and carry. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to pick up and carry the teachers. We thanked the Walmart workers. We thanked the healthcare worker, you know, now it's time to be like, Oh yeah. Because we're all going into, I think if you talk to most teachers, I think if you talk to most teachers, I'm going into my 19th year but I feel more like a first year teacher than I have other than the first year. And I think anybody that you talk to would tell you that. And so we just need some, uh, some extra little pick me ups, I think, and anything be watching and listening and reaching out for that. I think. All right. So thanks to Lindsay for sharing her perspective. So yeah, just, you know, checking in with people, letting people know that you care and are concerned and are praying for them and about them and with them. If that's something that you're inclined to do, um, I think is uh, an important way to stay connected and to show the presence of Christ and the Holy spirit here. And now let's move on to talking uh, just a little bit about what to expect this Sunday. This Sunday, we are closing out our look at the book of Nehemiah, correct? Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I always talk about Nehemiah as being a story about the rebuilding of the walls, which is true. Uh, verses or chapters one through six and Nehemiah are about just that. But chapter seven through the end, um, 
are really about the rebuilding of the people, the rebuilding of God's people. The walls were kind of ancillary. I mean, it was kind of the, the catalyst, I guess, but it was it was not the main thing. The main thing was building up God's people as as God's people. Uh, so that's what we're going to be digging into and focusing in on the topic of holiness, which runs through the entire story, the entire narrative. Um, and holiness, quite honestly, not something we talk about a lot, but deserves our attention, I think. So I hope to cover it in a way that might enable folks to see it afresh, hear it afresh, think about it in a, in a new way, maybe not as a... Uh, some drudgery that we undertake or something that's scary or I don't know. Um, but seeing as a, seeing holiness really as a gift, um, a gift that God seeks to bestow upon us. So, Very good. Well, if you want to read ahead, uh, the scripture passage this week uh, will be Nehemiah chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. So if you feel like reading ahead, kind of familiarizing yourself with the text of the scripture so that you can zero in on the message and the interpretation, then uh, certainly feel free to do that. And we will be continuing this week to do what we've done for about a month now. Uh, We'll be meeting both in person at 8.30 and 11 with the usual uh, safety and health precautions in place as well as live streaming the 8.30 service. So again, you can catch that live as it's happening at 8.30 on the Ozark United Methodist Church Facebook page or on our YouTube channel. And if you don't catch it live, it is there. So it it will live there from now on until these platforms are defunct, I guess. Uh, So you can check it out anytime. You don't necessarily have to be there, but I know that a lot of folks have enjoyed, uh, and I particularly have enjoyed watching some of the discussion that takes place as it's happening live. You know, if you're watching it on Facebook, you can be typing comments to others who are watching it live and, and, you know, and have conversations that way and discussions about what you've heard, uh, the things that you're, the things and the people that you're praying for and that kind of stuff. So, um, I encourage you to check it out if you haven't caught it live. Um, but if for some reason you can't, you're not able to, again, those will be available from then on. If you're not worshiping in person or live with us, you can catch the recording again on both the YouTube channel and the Facebook page or on our website at ozarkumc.org. Or if you're subscribed to our podcast, you can get the uh, the sermon on Sunday in your podcast player. Uh, if you're subscribed, you'll get some sort of notification uh, depending on how and where you're subscribed. And that'll let you know that the sermon is available as well um, in whatever form it takes, whether you're going to be joining us in person, whether it's catching the live stream, watching it back later, listening to the sermon uh, podcast, whatever way that works for you, we certainly look forward to worshiping with you this Sunday. Does anybody have any th- closing thoughts, comments before we wrap this one up? Uh-huh. Go ahead. You nobody can see you raising your hand on the podcast, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, so we talked about a prayer walk, and um, that's something we're going to continue to do um, on a regular basis. I don't know how often, but regularly. Um, but there's information on our website about that. To um, there's a prayer guide on our website. I encourage you to go there and check out that prayer guide, and just let it let it do just that. Just guide your prayers. Um, take the opportunity to pray around your home, around your neighborhood around your workplace, whatever it may be. Uh, but but do a prayer walk and just see what God does. Yep. 
we've mentioned it in past episodes, but yes, part of that prayer walk is being attentive, not just to what you're thinking, but what God's saying to you as well. So absolutely. All right, then. Well, for, for Mike, for Brad, and for Pastor Jacob, this is Joey Mills. May the peace of Christ be with you this week.